Hello? What's your favorite scary movie? Fear the Talking Queer. Part 2. Two? Who's gonna do that? Sequels suck. Bitch. <laughs> Bitch. Have you been reading the chaos ensuing over Army Hammer? Oh. Arm and Hammer. Ha- yes, have I ever. Army what Hammer. Hell is going on. I don't I don't know, but I I must thought it was like this weird serendipitous moment that was happening in the universe as we were getting ready to do this film that we're doing today, The Hills Have Eyes. <laughs> and then as I'm like watching it, I'm also looking at Twitter, reading that Army Hammer is yeah. like, has like crazy cannibal fantasies, like sexual cannibal fantasies. Yeah. And you know, this isn't the first time that some weird shit has come up about him because he's definitely, he's been in Playboy magazine, like in 2013, talking about like being a dominant sexual lover and stuff like that. Oh boy. I mean, I think he got caught up on Twitter, like in 2017 about some rope bondage nonsense. Right. And like, you know, it it sounds so outlandish, all these things, like some of these tweets, like if you haven't read these tweets like be prepared when you do because they are intense and um you know his girlfriend came out or like his, this is like all from it like a girl he used to date but right. i guess one of his maybe his other girlfriends come out and she's like this shit is true like yeah. it, he wanted so, to barbecue my ribs she said <laughs> yeah he want to barbecue me and eat my <laughs> ribs you know i honestly think that if this is true because this is all allegedly. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, it is. But if this is true, which I don't know, I think there's a lot of evidence to kind of back it up that it might be true. I think yeah. it's a fetishy thing more than it is like an actual, like, I don't think he actually hates people. Yeah, I mean, I no, I don't think he's actually out there, you know, cutting women's hearts out and eating them. But honestly, like, but honestly, I've seen like a lot of like funny reactions to it on Twitter. Like the memes are hysterical however you know that i've also seen things sort of like this is also not funny this is also a form of sexual abuse because these girls not only have said that these tweets have or you know these dms have come out Mm -hmm. about um all these intense fantasies that he has but also that they were pressured into doing really over the top or intense sexual acts that they were not comfortable with Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so it, it's kind of a weird area to be in. It's like, is this something that's so outlandish that we can laugh at? Or is this something that's like deadly serious that it's like, these are, this is somebody coming out about sexual abuse. Like, yeah. it's, it's he, kind of a fine line. I, I don't know. I kind of feel like he, he lets his fetishes get the best of him. I don't know. You know? Yeah. But people I mean, do. People have some weird ass, you know? Not, I wouldn't say weird, but people have some unique um, sexual fantasies and fetishes. And, you know, sometimes you just need to be reprogrammed. So maybe he needs to just get some help. You need some some therapy, mama, because woof. Poor thing. It's intense. But... I feel so bad for the people that have been subjected to this kind of uh, behavior. Even if it's a joke. Like, oh, I would love to just barbecue take your ribs out and barbecue them over a grill like oh um. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know and like i know it's yeah it's very 
intense. It's just the only word I can think of is that it's, it's really a lot and, and it's a lot for to expect people to be on board with, you know, your, your sexual fantasies. And yeah, especially when you know, they're that to that level, it, like you have to find a specific type of person, maybe in a specific type of chat room. That'll totally be down with the, yeah, you know, right. 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 <laughs> right. You know that. <laughs> because also some of his Instagram posts, like that pig head that he posted and like a knife that said, give me something to carve. Like there's like, there is evidence. It's substantial it's, evidence yeah. that he he's just, yeah, he's kink. like, maybe he wants to get caught. Maybe he wanted this. I don't know. Maybe he wants, maybe that's part of the intense fetish is that he maybe wants to get caught. Yeah. Because maybe people that will be into this will now start writing him letters. <laughs> oh God! Man. I don't know. I just feel I I feel really bad for his children because now they're gonna have to. I know this is you know weird these are things situation. like really personal things about their father that one day they're going to see, and that's sort of unfortunate. And so I feel bad for them. But um, it's an yeah. unfortunate situation altogether. Totally. Um, but I do kind of feel like. Even though he said they're bullshit rumors, I do kind of feel like him dropping out of his current projects are kind of like an admission. It kind of makes him very suspect. Like, I need to deal with this with, um, with my... He says it's because he doesn't want to, like, leave his children alone during this crazy time. But, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I just feel like if it were me and I somebody, you know, said this about me, I'd be like... Are you kidding me? Please. This account can be anybody, you know? And right. I would just ignore course. it and go on about my life. But I don't know. When you're that affected by it, it might be true. Right. Exactly. Oh, well, I mean, I wish him all the therapy in the world, you know? At first I was like, yeah. no, not ARMY. I was like, he's so hot. But it's like, <laughs> you know, you can't let that you know, blind you when it comes to people's, <laughs> right. you know, because I was like, we no, what about society do that way too often? Uh, seriously. I was like, no, what about call me by your name too? But then I'm like, wait a minute. This is more serious than that. Like they can replace <laughs> him with Henry Cavill. It's fine. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's so true. Uh, uh, I love that. Yeah, me too. Well, so that's our little thoughts on that. But <laughs> <laughs> on a lighter note, uh, I feel like we had a lot of really positive response to our game of Would You Rather last week. And um, yeah. like I said, we had 40 questions to choose from. So we figured, why not just keep the party going and uh, do a few more before we start this episode on The Hills Have Eyes? Yes. <laughs> Okay, you go first this time. All right, here I go. I'm going to pick... Again, we have not looked at these. Um, I'm going to pick 14. Oh, okay. Would you rather bleed from your ears or your eyes? Ow! Ow, I know! (laughs) I don't know. I'm really... uh, I think I'm more partial to bleeding from my ears than I am from my... No, no. Bleeding from my eyes than my ears. I would rather bleed from my eyes. Why? In my mind, that makes you think that like, I'm going fucking deaf, and that is like. So you'd my rather go blind. Fear. You'd rather go blind, probably, I, if you had to choose. I would rather go blind. Yeah, personally, I would rather go blind than deaf. Who's your favorite deaf singer? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Bleeding from my eyes would also be kind of. That's like what the vampires do in True Blood. Like, 
when they cried, they're always like, oh, I'm crying blood, Suki. And so, I don't know, that's yeah. kind of hot. I know. Yeah, I think visually it would look cooler coming from the eyes. But I think, for me personally, I would rather bleed from the ears because... I mean, I guess I would, I would less... rather be deaf than be blind. Mm, that, I don't know. It, yeah, that's a hard choice. It really is. But I'm more visual. Like, you listen to a lot more music. Yeah. And stuff like that. Like, I can forgo that. <laughs> I'll feel the vibrations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a hard one. I don't know. I Yeah, I would probably go with eyes just because it probably looks cooler. Looks cooler. And I'll still be able to hear. So. All right, your turn. Okay, I'm going to pick number 22. I don't know about you, but I'm failing 22. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Would you rather be drowned in a bathtub or trapped in a burning building with no way of escaping? Oh my God. Those are like the two worst deaths. I had a dream last night that I was in a burning building. Isn't that weird? Oh my God. This is an Uh, omen. Yeah, exactly. Burn in hell, bitch. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it was maybe because my roommate was lighting incense in his room and the smoke alarms went off in our entire house. And I was like, oh, God, oh God, it's happening. It's happening. <laughs> um, I think that I would rather be drowned. I think it'd probably be a little faster because I think in a burning building, you'd probably try to find a way out and there's no way out. So you're like... You know, yeah. There's like prolonging, yeah, it's a prolonging yeah. Death. Sure, it's like, yeah. First, it's hot, and then it you start burning, and then like, how and then long you does it take? Suffocate to... first. Oh yeah, oh. suffocate from the smoke. Yeah, I feel like being burned to death would be pretty horrible. Awful. I mean, they're both obviously horrible, but also drowning is horrible too. It is. It is horrible. Pain- but they we're say it's like painful. D- yeah, like you're. But I mean, so is, like you're, there's a fire in your lungs. Um, I think that I would prefer bathtub also because it's a bathtub, so I won't be like you know floating in a river forever and found years later. They'll oh, pull true. me out, and my body will still look nice. To oh my god, like like Glenn Close casket. for what she's the dead in in Fatal <laughs> Attraction. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're blue contacts. Yes. Yes. All right. Oh great. These are horrible. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you go. <laughs> um, I'm gonna pick. Uh, let's do three. Oh my god. Okay. Three. That says. Would you rather be convicted of a crime you didn't commit or kill and get away with it? This is so easy. <laughs> oh my god. Of course, kill and get away with it. I mean, yeah. I think there's something like more frustrating probably than being accused of a crime I didn't commit. Hell no. I know. That's one of my biggest fears is that yeah. somebody mistakes me or some, or I, I get caught up in something and I'm like, I didn't do it. Sometimes <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I, I honestly think about this a lot. I'm like, it is so easy to go to like prison for the rest of your life. It's yeah. so easy. And yeah. I think about that all the time for some reason. I'm like, wow, if I make one little mistake, like, not hitting the brakes while this person is crossing the street. <laughs> like I always not think a mis- about not, that. Obviously, that's not a mistake, but like because you know I have a I'm hard saying? time seeing at night, and I'm like, what if somebody was crossing the street? Oh shit! And I hit them. Oh, yeah, God. I mean, there's this yeah, it's so oh, it's so easy to fucking go to jail forever. 
And um, <laughs> bitch, this I don't is know. stressful. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I'm stressed. So obviously, I'd rather kill somebody and get away with it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> obviously. What if I was? You know, what if it's self-defense? We don't know the circumstances behind this question. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we're gonna say it's a self-defense killing, and um, yeah, because we're angels. Yeah. So I'm gonna go with number thirty. Thorny. <laughs> okay. Would you rather find a dead body in your backyard or just the guts? <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, that's I don't know. That's that's cr- crazy. I would rather find the guts. I feel like that would be less traumatizing Tra- traumatizing yeah absolutely like you're like because i probably wouldn't even know what it was i'd be like what is that is that a dead <laughs> animal <laughs> but if it's a whole ass human body i'd be like ah, oh my god therapy. I know what, uh, you just like found their heart just like boom boom i guess it wouldn't be beating still but just I yeah <laughs> i don't know <laughs> but the that, flavor. but that's also like if i found a dead body i'd feel like i'd Maybe know, have a better idea how this person died or who did, uh, what You're they did. You're not the investigator. I know, but like, <laughs> it's up to you to figure it out. What is this a horror movie? <laughs> I feel like guts is so ominous. Like, what is the? Why are there just guts? Where did the body go? Did somebody oh. just come with a bag of guts and dump it in my backyard? Did somebody get killed in my backyard and they took the body away? I know it should say like an old dead body or like dried up guts. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, because if they're know. fresh, that's alarming. It's almost yeah. like you're next. Yeah, I don't know. I Ooh. think they're both incredibly alarming, but I don't know. I kind of feel like guts for me would be just a little more spooky. Yeah, I don't know. No, I think the that, dead body would be more spooky. Because, I'd rather find because, the guts. Because the dead body. What if they? I don't know. What if they drifted in there and they had a heart attack? Okay, but if somebody, it like guts means that somebody deliberately went out and gutted this person and then took their body. I don't know. It seems a little scarier to me. Gosh, this is hard too. But I think, I think I'm going to go with guts. Okay. It'd be easier. That, It'd be an easier fair. pill to swallow. And then I can just yeah. seek, you know, refuge or something. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> okay, um, I'm going to pick um, 37. Oh my god, you always got me scrolling to the opposite end. Okay. <laughs> Would you rather get turned on by blood or by insects? Oh no! <laughs> you said insects, right? Insects. Like oh. mosquitoes, bitch. I'm telling you, <laughs> we did not plan these, by the way. These no. are all <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna say blood. I'm I you know, in this moment I will sympathize with Army here. Oh! <laughs> because I, I'm sorry, but bugs, I can't. I can't do it. It's bugs. I, it's bugs. The other day I had a I had a all-out war with a spider that crawled on my bedside table. And I honestly it was inconclusive because the spider ran behind my dresser and I don't know where it went and it never came back out. So it's still fucking here. Bitch, it's plotting revenge. Oh my god, (laughs) don't say that. (laughs) Yeah, this is kind of a weird one, huh? But you went right with it, blood. I mean, I'm gonna have, I don't know. I I mean, blood is obviously disgusting, and, um, but, I don't know, it's a little something like sexy vampire about it. Okay, yeah. 
Uh-huh. You know, I see that insects. I don't think there's any like sexy no. version. Can of you imagine seeing like lover. a spider on the wall and being like, "Ah, uh, uh, yeah, so hot, so many legs, eight. What I would do with all those legs if I had them? But then, what if you go and smash it, and then the blood comes out, and you're like, uh. and there did not say insect blood, okay? Bitch, it says that's blood. Getting whole, that's getting to a whole new discussion. Blood. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna say human blood, not <laughs> insect blood. That's gross too, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, your turn. Okay, I'm gonna just go with numero uno. <laughs> numero uno. All right, would you rather hear the voices of dead people or see their ghosts? <laughs> see their ghosts 100%. I would want to know what they look like, but also... Um, what are they wearing? I, mm-hmm, what are you wearing? Uh, you know, like, I'd rather yeah, see designer. who this person is. <laughs> Red carpet interview. <laughs> yeah, who are you wearing? <laughs> um, I think hearing their voices, okay, that plays into my fear of, like, schizophrenia, because if I was hearing ghost voices without seeing anything, I might think that I was going crazy. Oh my god. I mean maybe Or psychologically thrilling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess there's both like both of them have opportunities to like startle me really w- well, but I feel like if I just heard a voice behind me and didn't see anything, I would be more scared than if I saw mm-hmm. what it was. I don't know. Yeah, and then when you and then when you see a dead ghost, it's easier to tell them a dead ghost. <laughs> when you see a ghost, it's easier to tell them Bitch, get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> You're not welcome here. You don't live here yeah. anymore. Yeah, because you don't want to be yelling at the wall when they're standing behind you. How embarrassing. Yeah. Or be like, I got <laughs> something for you, bitch, and get your sage. <laughs> Erase them with it. <laughs> yeah, but they're all standing behind you like, tap, yeah. tap, tap, over here. <laughs> bitch, get the... <laughs> <laughs> he started waving it around. <laughs> Uh, I want to know where this bitch is. Yeah, I'd rather see them. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think. I, uh, yeah, I think I'd rather see them too. All right, is that six? I think that's six. That's six. Last time All we right. did more than what we anticipated doing. Yeah, yeah, we, you know, we just got so caught up in the fun of it. But um, so I think that gets us into our film this week. Yeah, this is a pretty bloody, disgusting one today. <laughs> Talk about being turned on by blood. Yeah. <laughs> This week we are talking about The Hills Have Eyes, the 2006 remake. Yes. Based on the 1976 film The Hills Have Eyes by Wes Craven. Yes. And both of these projects are essentially his. Yeah, he like produced this one. He was like, yeah, great, go ahead. Yeah, he rebooted it. He's the one that sought out the directors and stuff. Shit, he was ready. There's not very much original about The Hills Have Eyes, I will say that before we get started, because... The original, I think, was his response to the success of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which had come out three years prior. And mm. then when he decided that he wanted to reboot uh, The Hills of Eyes in 2006 as a producer, it was in it was in response to the 2003 success of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. See, history just repeating itself. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> they were all there. It took three years for Wes Craven to be like, you know what? I'm going to ride the coattails of this. <laughs> yeah, why not? 
let's get let's bring this one back. This everybody seems to be loving the hillbilly horror craze. Yeah, right your now. favorite subgenre, Jake's favorite subgenre. Everybody, hillbilly horror. Uh, God, uh, yeah, we'll get into that. <laughs> 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 All right, but um, let's just let's start. Let's get right into it. Here's the Hills Have Eyes, 2006. The Hills Have Eyes, written by Alexander Aja and Gregory Levesque. <laughs> directed by Aja. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Are you a cannibal? Are you a model? <laughs> Are you a cannibal? <laughs> An oh anyway, I saw, I saw a meme of somebody dancing and it was like Army Hammer whenever he hears cannibal by Kesha. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm telling you, the tweets were funny. The memes were funny. The memes are funny. I saw one where it was somebody running hella fast as all when Army Hammer says he wants to eat your ass. <laughs> oh, yeah. I saw one of, of New York, of Tiffany Pollard screaming in the car. She's like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> it's like, New York goes to work. <laughs> yes, yes. And it's like when Army Hammer says you're a snack. <laughs> <laughs> this is awful, you guys. I know. What are we going to do? Okay, let's move uh, on with our synopsis. All right. Okay. The movie begins with a title card explaining that between 1945 and 1962, the U.S. conducted 331 atmospheric nuclear tests, and to this day, the government still denies that the radioactive fallout caused genetic defects. All right, well, real quick, I'm going to interrupt. So um, I did a little research. I was like, okay, so this movie takes place in what, New Mexico? Mm -hmm. So I was like, let me look at like the New Mexico um atom bomb testing things like what happened back then and so from my research um there were only three tests done and they were called the trinity tests they took they took place i think in like 1945 um something Mm -hmm. around there and these tests they were called trinity the nougat gnome and the cross tie gas buggy right okay one of them took place above ground and the other two were underground and the one above ground was, you know, far removed completely from civilization. Everything was okay. And then the the two that happened underground were mostly fine. One of them did have a bit of a a breach in like one of the air shafts coming up with so like some uh radiation smoke did come out, but they ended up finding that it was um it was negligible, which means like there was nothing found that could cause radiation in um in you know in people or whatever that were to because there was nobody really around so yeah. um basically yeah so i think this movie starts off trying to prey on the fear of that like post cold war nuclear fear that people were having of like the testing of the atom bombs cuz these yeah. these are the these are the bombs that would later go on to be uh used to drop on hiroshima and nagasaki and things like that so that's a little historical context, you know, this is sort of like where the movie starts out coming from by like, you know, sort of sensationalizing, yeah. um, you know, what happened and yeah. like the fear that happened back in the day. So anyway. As movies do. <laughs> As movies do, you know. It's a horror film. It's not a documentary. Yeah, I did read that there were more nuclear tests that took place in Nevada. Yeah, Nev- Nevada was definitely the bigger one. And the original takes place in Nevada. So right, I don't know exactly. why they decided to make the remake in New Mexico. It kind of doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense. And it sort of, yeah, it sort of makes it geographically, yeah, just not make sense at all. But Inaccurate. Anyway. Inaccurate. Yeah. 
Okay, so we are then taken to the New Mexico desert where a group of fully suited scientists are testing radiation levels in the area. It isn't long before a bloody man jumps out at one of the scientists, seemingly looking for help. Suddenly, the scientist gets a pickaxe lodged through his head by a deformed man who will come to know as Pluto. The rest of the scientists are slaughtered with ease by single blows of the pickaxe and are then dragged away by a pickup truck. The opening credits ensue with a slideshow of nuclear bomb tests and photos of deformed babies. Now, here's some more historical jargon. These deformed babies photographed that are in the opening did not have genetic defects from <laughs> nuclear testing. They had genetic no. defects actually from a chemical or no, a herbicide um, called Agent Orange, which right. is was used as chemical warfare in certain countries and it did cause genetic defects right and i think that some of them also were maybe from the radiation from chernobyl i'm not sure um, yeah i think that's i think what i read too right. i believe <laughs> <laughs> so cut to a gas station in the same new mexico desert assumingly uh, the right. gas station attendant played by tom bauer who lives on the premises walks outside shotgun in hand reacting to something he must have heard He calls out for someone named Ruby. He wanders around the area beyond a gate labeled No Trespassing, United States Government Department of Energy. He calls down into a mineshaft, continuing to call out Ruby's name. He then threatens another person called Jupiter. He returns to the gas station and finds a bag on his porch. He screams out into the empty desert that he can no longer help these mysterious assailants. He takes the bag inside and rummages through its goods, which include a torn-off bloody ear, which must belong to one of the people pictured in a photograph inside a wallet the attendant finds in the bag. Okay, so our movie is off with um, two opening sequences, really, <laughs> I would say. Yeah, yeah. You know, which is kind of funny. Like, we're like, we kind of have two full opening sequences before we even get to the plot of the film. <laughs> or, like, yeah, and I our main characters. do not like the first part of it. I think it, it would have been a stronger, more mysterious opening if it would have just started at the gas station. Yeah, I, didn't I agree. I think that the first part was necessary because this takes place in modern day, 2006. Right, which it did take me a long time to figure that out. I honestly thought it took place in the 70s for the first 20 minutes of the movie. And then I was like, until they pulled out their cell phone, and yeah, until they were in the car or they were in the trailer, and there was like some very early two thousands rock music playing on the radio, and I was like, oh wait, no, this is for sure modern day. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and they do kind of give it that style too, even in like the the clothing and yeah things like that, and that sort of sepia tone they use to make it deserty. (laughs) Very again, it's very just Texas Chainsaw Massacre, just which you know has a very seventies feel and most of the time takes place in the 70s so i just in my mind i assumed but that was the wrong assumption i guess (laughs) the um i like the score of this this is kind of like we in the beginning we kind of get that score over the title card and stuff yeah um that eerie pulsing that kind of plays throughout the movie yeah, like that. I do. I, I do like that. Darn. I think that I think opening um, credit sequences are so funny because they're so just indicative of early two thousands films. They are. You know? I know we don't have those anymore. We don't have those. We we say those for Netflix original shows now. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
they get their own title sequence. But now, yeah, I think we've moved past that. Like, we'll just get go into the movie. Like, yeah, let's need, just get to it. We don't it. need all these establishing images of bombs going off. It, and, yeah, it takes know, people out of the movie. And, and honestly, I, the reason why I don't think that the first opening is necessary and why the credits really aren't necessary either is because there's so much explanation as to why these people are deformed that we don't need a hundred things to prove it it's like okay right we get it yeah it sort of takes the mystery out of it like you know from the beginning like oh okay there's a lot of nuclear bombs going off obviously there's some sort of you know yeah radiation we even got an an explanation at the very beginning before anything even happened of bombs are going off and then we're just i don't know it just seems like yeah. okay we get it we get it we get it we get it keep going the op- yeah these two openings are basically just to establish that the people in the hills are strong yeah so, yeah <laughs> yeah literally they're like in human strength because yeah. he, because of this character of fucking what's his name the big one He's Pluto. Pluto. I always want to call him Jupiter. Uh, Pluto. He just whips people around like they are little rag dolls. Yeah. And it's crazy. And this is also the Hills of Eyes, uh, both versions, give us this kind, sort of a breath of fresh air from the woodsy hillbilly horrors that we're accustomed yeah, to. Yeah, that's true. And Texas true. Chainsaw and Wrong Turn and, you know, a bunch of others. Um, <laughs> Do you consider Texas Chainsaw like a woodsy? like woodsy horror film i feel like it's more like this like this like i don't know like planes <laughs> i guess i don't know it's not because it's not desert yeah i guess it's more i feel like it's like i don't know no, no, i think i it's feel like woodsy. they have a lot of shot of like a forest or is it a okay. forest the woods. so you know when she's running they have it like in every movie sure okay it's more like a collection field. of trees <laughs> it's more like fields than the desert yeah the great okay. plains yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right all right all right I see what you're the saying. great plains those aren't in america i don't know what <laughs> <laughs> otherwise i think that the desert setting could be scary because it's bright but there's nowhere to hide also right you know totally if you're on a hill you can see everything Right, it's completely exposed. Real quick before we move on. I just think it's funny, like, you know, so we have this, like, gas station. And I just think it's crazy that this, like, gas station is the last stop for 200 miles. That's unrealistic. Dude, I know. Do some cars, like, I mean, I feel like smaller cars, like, do they even have a 200-mile mileage? No. Like, some people are just doomed to not make it to to the next gas station. That's crazy. Yeah, it's like, and and honestly, who lives around there? Why is the gas station even there? Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's it, I don't even think that this is realistic for New Mexico. Is New Mexico even two hundred miles wide? <laughs> it is. It's actually the fifth biggest state in the country. What? I know. I was shocked to learn that too. Our fucking maps are all wrong. Then <laughs> it looks hella small on there. It's the fifth biggest. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Yeah, and I don't. And so then like, we have this like gas station attendant who's like, rem- he's like now remorseful of what he's been doing, and I'm like, yes. okay, I'm like, okay, but why now? Like, why all of a sudden now? Do you, you know, you're still getting paid? I saw that bag full of pearls, pearls there. <laughs> I'm like, why don't you just take it and run? Why does he run? Why is he still? St- why does he just stay around? He's getting all this stuff right from all these travelers that are going by. From these travelers that get trapped. Yeah. Yeah. This is their. This is his payment. Yeah. Their goods because they're not right. interested in his in their jewelry and money and stuff like that. 
Yeah, they're just interested in their flesh, mama. Ooh. Uh, yummers. Army. Barbie. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> Interrupting the attendants rummaging, the Carter family rolls up in their large truck and trailer in need of gas. Retired detective Bob, played by Ted Levine, and his wife Ethel, played by Kathleen Quinlan, are traveling from Cleveland, Ohio, to San Diego, California for their wedding anniversary. With them are their children, Lynn, played by Allison. Allison, kiss me. I'm Allison. Vanessa Shaw. <laughs> uh, Brenda, played by Emily DeRaven. And Bobby, played by Dan Bird. Lynn's husband, Doug, played by Aaron Stanford. Lynn and Doug's baby daughter, Catherine. The family's pet, German Shepherd's Beauty and Beast. And their nameless parakeet. Are there two parakeets? Are there? I think Are you thinking about Nightmare on Elm Street, too? <laughs> <laughs> Exploding parakeets. <laughs> uh, the family seems miserable as they wish they could have flown to their destination rather than Bob's preference to drive, especially through the desert. We quickly establish that there is no cell phone service. We also see a mystery character enter the scene completely unnoticed, stealing a sweatshirt from the truck. This is Ruby. As the family wanders about, Beauty runs inside the gas station. Lynn follows Beauty into the gas station attendant's room, noticing the out-of-place bag on the table. The attendant walks in. Lynn grabs Beauty and quickly makes her way out. The carters load back up. As they're about to leave, the attendant tells them of a different route through the hills that would save them a couple of hours. Bob takes the gas attendant's advice and heads for the shortcut. It isn't long before a hidden spiked chain jumps into their path, blowing out their tires and causing Bob to crash the truck right into a large rock. Mm. Okay. okay for, so for me, I don't know why I was struggling with this film, but it honestly took me a long time to figure out how all these people were related to each other. I was like, really? I was like, wait, who's, oh yeah, who's, you kind of do. What? I was like, is, is that's whose boyfriend, whose husband is that? I don't know. It was like, yeah, which ones are the kids? <laughs> yeah, which ones are the kids? Which ones are the married ones? Which one? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why it took me so long. Maybe I was just I had too many fucking hits. <laughs> yeah. So we have some stars in this family. We have Ted Levine, better known yeah. as Buffalo Bill from the Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> right. Making a stellar comeback in this film. <laughs> <laughs> I actually... I didn't even know that was him, honestly. Honestly, me neither until you just said that, but it makes Are sense. Are you serious? That I, he no, looks I no completely idea. different. He looks completely yeah. different. Um, And also his character in this is like that obvious macho father who yeah. just... Everything he says is right and everyone else is wrong. And I think that one of the interesting routes this movie takes, and I know there was a little bit of it from the original. I, I haven't seen the original, but I... In my research for this, I looked up a lot about it and I watched clips and everything. But basically, yeah, there's like a lot of political commentary associated with the character of like Bob and the character of Doug. So the character of Bob, he's like the patriarch of this family. He's very gun-toting, you know, conservative. He's constantly ragging on the character of Doug, who seems to be our liberal antagonist, or sorry, protagonist, you know, who's a pacifist, who doesn't, you know, use guns, things like that. And so there's sort of an interesting dynamic that they, they're creating here. Mm-hmm. One that I'm not 100% sure, like, what the full purpose of it is and um what's sort of interesting about that dynamic that's sort of amped up in this version is the fact that the directors are european so it's not like they have like their hand in this you know in like the political game of america 
they yeah. are it's sort of like their objective point of view i guess of how they think i guess american politics within families works um so i think that's it's an it's definitely an interesting choice but i'm not sure it's one that follows through super super well no i think it's played out more like that too in the original because the original was during that you know time of you know yeah they were that it was a political commentary in this time and in this day and age it's i mean it can be now but in 2006 it just seems like you can't really play that out with people being able to understand that i think more so what happens with this dynamic is that doug seems less of a man to bob because he's not very handy he can't fix anything he doesn't do anything you know to impress right. him and yeah he's what, a, he's a, he's an intellectual he works in what tech or something like that tech he's like or a cell he's like a computer or... guy yeah yeah he's nerdy and you know but i think why it's played into this movie is because when we get to the end and he's like right. one of the last people standing it's like you don't need you know it depends their survival is you know different for everybody right. Right, and I think I think that it has a way of showing that our pacifist, you know, liberal character ends up having to take on the characteristics of the the aggressive, assertive person, like you know this you know gun toting you know whatever kind of person because that's what he needed to do to survive. He ends up you know going on this crazy revengeful rampage where he's shooting up all these. <laughs> You know, these mutant people, and um, mm-hmm. it's a complete 180 from where his character started off. And he's over there, you know, stabbing people with American flags. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> it's very like, I mean, maybe, maybe because 2006, we were still in this, we we're still in a Bush presidency, um, very conservative. Maybe it has something to do with that, like, yeah. like, like nationalism taking uh the forefront and being i don't know being the answer to survival i don't know yeah i don't know i i one of the things that i noticed is that this movie doesn't really play out as well as like the texas chainsaw massacre where it wasn't its intention but you know everybody made those connections between the forgotten part of america and like you know the liberal people that are you know live on the coasts (laughs) yeah sort of that dynamic of like you know revenge and so uh this doesn't really work because i feel like this family being from ohio they're like very conservative at least the older folks i think it still does really play into that like privileged versus marginalized Mm -hmm. people kind of dynamic but i think the difference why it maybe worked a little better i would say in the original is because the motive of the of the of the clan or the mutants or whatever you want to call them in this it's more like survival i think i think their their goal is to survive that's how they you know eat is they eat people you know in this one there seems to be a little bit more of like a vengeful motive from the mutants mm-hmm. who are who are who are specifically targeting people that aren't them because they are more privileged than they are you know this this family you know look look at them there's they they have nice things they have a trailer they have and it seems like there's more than it's more than just survival to these mutants it's actually about exacting revenge on these people that are more privileged than they are 
So I don't know. I I, mm-hmm. I still I still do think that there's like a connection between the motives of Texas Chainsaw and Hills of Eyes. I feel like they are very parallel. And, you know, yeah. it, that's why it's sort of become such a subgenre, because that's sort of the the basis of the subgenre of hillbilly horror is this mm-hmm. like cl- is this class system war of, yeah. you know, of, you know, the privileged people versus the marginalized people, the people that didn't grow up in circumstances, you know, with privilege mm-hmm. or with money or with real food or, you know, or with, you know, faces. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, with faces. <laughs> <laughs> um, so why do we think that the gas attendant, I think that he maybe thinks that Lynn saw that ear and that tote bag because now he's sending them to their doom, even though he just said he wasn't going to help these mutants anymore. So it's kind of like, do you think that he maybe thought she saw something in that bag that she wasn't supposed to? So instead of getting caught, he leads them to their doom or why did yeah, he go? I, I do think that's, yeah, that is such a weird, yeah, because the first, his first moment in this film is him like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. And then immediately <laughs> does it anymore. Like he does it. He, he like, he's like, maybe it's just, yeah, fall, he does maybe it just right fell after. into old habits. I mean, maybe, maybe he maybe got a he, taste of the ear and was like, mm, actually, you know what? Yeah, he's left. Mm, delish. Uh, <laughs> no, maybe. I mean, maybe it is. Maybe it's because maybe that's how they justify it is that she saw something. Cause, but she wasn't like overtly suspicious. And even if she was, I don't think she would go out of her way to do anything about it because she saw. She all she does is see a bag, and she like kind of like opens mm. it. But she, I don't know. I don't think she's like, oh my god, we need to go report this man who. I don't know. She didn't. Does she see the ear? Or no, she just kind of like touched the bag a little bit and kind of like right, inside. exactly. She didn't see the ear, but also I, I one of the things that I've always thought before I watched it again was I thought that maybe because Bob was trying to lessen him a little bit that maybe mm. he took that offensively and so I was like you know what I'm gonna get this motherfucker healed. <laughs> yeah, I mean maybe. Yeah, maybe he just. Uh... Yeah, I don't he know. Just saw something it... he didn't like. Yeah, exactly. He was like something about these... them. Yeah, maybe he does this every time. Maybe he always has these outward, you know, emotions of of not wanting to do it anymore. But then just maybe he's still scared for his life. Yeah. You know? And, you know, on the in the original, because this is basically a straight up remake of the original. Oh, it's yeah. Like, like what I was watching, I was like, wait, this is almost this is character for I, character, moment for moment, shot for shot sometimes. Like we don't even yeah. acknowledge like we make fun of Psycho 1998 for that, but this is pretty similar. Yeah, they just upped the like, you know, but one of the thing one of the things that they got rid of was the storyline, the connection between the attendant and the mutants. Right, exactly. Where they were related and they're right. and he tried to keep people away from them. Um but and this one, you know, who they is tra- the attendant? Yeah. And how do yeah, they get started with a treaty? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of strange. But you know what? Not the biggest fault in this movie. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> also, um, anyway, let's just keep going. So the family rallies together to figure out their plan of action. Lynn notices a light reflecting from the hills, but it soon disappears. Doug plans to head toward the interstate while Bob plans to go back to the gas station to call for help. The rest of the family stays behind. As Bobby searches for his stolen sweatshirt, Beauty escapes from the trailer and Bobby chases her into the hills. He loses sight of her, but hears her yelping in the distance. 
He finds her mutilated corpse ripped open and hollowed out. Frightened, he runs and falls off a small hill, knocking himself unconscious. Ruby quickly comes to his side as she has been following him. On the hills above her is another mutant, Goggle, eating a piece of Beauty's body. Meanwhile, as Doug journeys to the interstate, he finds a huge crater filled with abandoned cars and other items. Bob has finally made his way back to the gas station and searches for the attendant. As he searches, he finds the bloodied ear in the attendant's room. He also finds news clippings reporting children of the abandoned mine shafts were born with genetic defects due to the nuclear radioactivity. He then sees more news clippings of New Mexico's Bermuda Triangle, explaining that several people go missing in this desert. Bob, putting the pieces together, hurries out, ready to take the attendant's car until he hears him whimpering and mumbling in the outhouse. The attendant appears to be drunk and full of regret. As Bob watches on, the attendant takes his shotgun and blows his head off. Bob then begins to hear a man's creepy voice calling out, Daddy. (laughs) (laughs) Which I thought was rather sexual. It was me. (laughs) But yeah, Bob shoots some warning shots out into the darkness as he gets back into the attendant's car, only to realize the voice is coming from inside the car. The voice belongs to Jupiter. Bob is knocked out and dragged by Jupiter into a mine shaft. Whew. All right. Well, going back to the beginning of this little part, I cannot believe their plan was to walk in the desert with like no water. Like I think I think Doug has like a half of a bottle of water. And to walk mm-hmm. miles aimlessly in a direction. I, I mean, know. like my thought is like, and then and then you have like Bobby looking for his sweatshirt. Like, why? <laughs> I know it's fucking like, you don't hot. Need it. You're in the desert. Yeah. Why are I'm you like, wearing long hot? sleeves? There's also some wind, so I'm like, maybe it's a cooler day in the desert. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but you know that doesn't stop Brenda from going out there and having herself a little tan. <laughs> that was funny. I know. Seriously, I know. Everybody's all like um, concerned because they just crashed their car. And, you know, she's like, eh, whatever. I'm going to take this opportunity to lay out. <laughs> yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just, you know, soak in the sun. She's like, fabulous. That is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> the desert. Um, yeah. I really like her as Brenda, Emily DeRobin. I like yeah. her, period. I like her and uh, Carrie. Is she in Carrie? Who's she in Carrie? She's Chris Hargensen in the TV version. The one that oh, I like. see. Yeah. See, I don't know that one. <laughs> But I honestly, I honestly like the the family dynamic in this. I think that they are, you know, yeah. I like that there are three siblings. They have good chemistry. Yeah, they have good chemistry, and they're, and I think that there's a lot of like talks about like the future and like what's what's going to be happening to them later, which makes what happens to them so tragic, you know? Yeah, especially because they're like sitting there and they kind of explain that they were going to San Diego for the parents' anniversary. Yeah. And then you have the song uh, California Dreamin' playing. And I always think that adds an eerie touch to things. When, like when that they, song. It's kind of That creepy. song? Ding, 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 ding. I know, it's very like... Yeah, kind of like minor. I don't know. I like it. I love it's California creepy. Dreamin'. Yeah, I know. I, it's cool. And I think it plays into this movie because that's where they were headed. And yeah. it kind of gives a forewarning of their impending doom. Yeah, and they'll never get there. They're, oh, they'll I mean, never I, get there. Honestly, I don't think any of them ever get there, to be honest, with the ending of this film. But anyway. I know. Well, we never know. I love like how like early 2000s some of this is, though. I love when Brenda refers to uh, pot as chronic. 
the chronic. chronic. Yeah. They're like, what, is that? What, what I wouldn't give for a massage. The chronic. It's like, oh my God. I know. And not only is it that, but it's like her pants with her top, oh, yeah. her bathing suit top. And yeah. then like her gla- her sunglasses. I was like, oh my gosh. Those like simple life sunglasses. Yes. Oh my God. Oh, the early 2000s, man. Like... What a time to be I alive. I know. <laughs> so but they so they do have good chemistry. This is where I think we realize that the movie is a true on full ass remake. Because it's playing out the exact same way that the original plays out. Yeah. They even like have that like prayer circle. Like that prayer circle <laughs> moment where they like all huddle together. I was like watching like a side by side and was like, this is the exact same moment. Which you know, I don't know. I guess it's fan service, but still, it's like, wow, they just full on redid this. Yeah. Just checked all the all the boxes. Yeah. The differences come from like the modernization, the style, the violence, and then minor differences in the storyline as far as like basically dropping any storyline that the mutants have other than they were here. And again, we get an explanation as to I... One thing that I think movies need to get rid of is finding out information because the killer or the monster or something collects news clippings. (laughs) I can't stand that. It's such that is hilarious. It's so cheap. Like it's such a bad way of explaining things. Yeah, like, oh my gosh, what are all these news clippings here? Like, why are they collecting that? (gasps) Deformed people? Ugh. A Bermuda Triangle? It's like Shut up. And also, like these mutants, they were warned. They were warned. They were fucking warned that this was gonna happen, that these bombs are gonna go off and that they needed to leave. And they're all, no, we're not leaving. We're staying. And then they're all mad now that they all got radiation. Like, that's not (laughs) you were warned. What the fuck is wrong with you? Get the fuck out. I know. And you know, as much as they explain that these people are deformed from the radioactivity, there's no like, why are they there? I don't, I don't, I I literally, I do not get the storyline. Why are they there? How are they how are they keeping on procreating? There's like one I was thinking that miners were working in the mine shafts and then their kids ended up having defects and they what abandoned the kids there i don't know i know yeah it's like did these people it, who were and they grew up eating people because that's all they could find right because if this know. because if this takes place in 2006 like that testing and stuff happened so long ago so it's just like oh. several generations later like of Ooh, people I didn't even that... think about the time frame yeah it's like oh how, long have, how long this have these people been here I don't know. Are these the grandchildren? The children? And they keep procreating and creating more? Yeah. I don't know. Or I it's guess weird. they keep being born with defects because it's supposed to be right. like lingering. Okay. Oh my God. Whatever. What a mess. <laughs> and we'll get more into like loopholes, I guess, when we, the further we get. Yeah. Um, and, as, and as far as Bob goes, like, to be honest, I was not. I was not sympathizing with Bob. I don't know. I like didn't find his character to be pretty, to be very sympathetic. He was kind of an asshole the entire no, movie. No, I think that's why he goes first. Because right. And- he is an asshole. And you know, it's like that per that, that father or that uncle that you just can't stand to be around. You're right. Like, right. And not that that's like an know. excuse for anybody to like die, but in the world of a no. horror movie <laughs> of the yeah. people that I'd want to see go first, Bob would be number one. And so, you know, I don't know. I don't feel any sympathy. I'm not like, no, Bob. I'm like, well, serves him right. 
it's sort of that that like once he once he's knocked out and dragged to and you know that he's not going to come out of this it's yeah. like that's like kind of that's something like in horror noir that was talked about like where it's like the strongest character goes first yeah because then it sets up like these monsters are really really strong you guys they took yeah. out bob yeah they took out <laughs> bob big bad bob with the guns and the and the prayers like my god Mm -hmm. (laughs) anybody Um, can go now right it could be me (laughs) (laughs) oh and oh wait i there there was a line i wrote down that that some oh when the gas station attendant is like muttering to himself in the outhouse he says something along the lines of the kids grew up in the mines like wild animals like so the kids were (sighs) they grew up in the mines yeah I don't know. This is the weakest part of the script. Because in the original, we know who the people are. We know why they're there. We know how they ended up there. We know why how they procreated. We know who they procreated with. In this one, we don't get any of that. We just kind of get little lines, news clippings, and (laughs) things like that. (laughs) But I don't know. Also, one of the things that becomes problematic for this movie in particular, I feel like, is the idea that people with deformities are monsters. Oh yeah, that's you know no, for sure. Like this movie would never be remade today in 2006. Different, yeah. different world, unfortunately. I, but there, but it's like it's for sure. Like it's like ableism, where we yeah we like make people who are differently abled or have you know mm-hmm. things that are beyond their control, because and we is, turn them into cannibals and monsters. Yeah. Because this is one of those things, like, this has become a term. Like, when you see somebody who looks a mess or something, you're like, okay, hills have eyes, <laughs> you know? Right. Like, it's become, no, like, totally. a figure of speech, like, when someone is looks different, you know? Right, exactly. Like, yeah, this movie is definitely not of this PC time, and I don't think it would ever mm-hmm. be be remade today. No. Well, let, I don't know. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. So, uh, Brenda searches for Bobby in the dark, and she finds him dazed from his unconscious state. Back in the trailer, Ethel cleans up a frightened Bobby who's aware of what might be out in the dark hills. Bobby springs into defense mode, grabbing his dad's gun, and he hears Beast running off barking. It's only Doug returning with treasures from the auto-filled crater. He explains that there are no connections to the interstate, that they were headed toward a dead end. Beast wanders into the hills, finding Beauty's corpse. Everyone prepares for bed. Bobby keeps a lookout from the trailer where Brenda, Ethel, and baby Catherine, while Doug and Lynn, plan to sleep in the truck. Everyone prepares for bed. Bobby keeps a lookout from the trailer where Brenda, Ethel, and baby Catherine sleep, while Doug and Lynn plan to sleep in the truck. Some time passes and Bobby makes his way out of the trailer when he hears Beast outside barking. Suddenly, the light next to Brenda turns on and a beastly hand strokes her hair. It is Pluto admiring her. Outside, Bobby begins to hear a human imitating a dog's bark. Freaked out, he runs back to the truck and wakes Lynn and Doug, telling them that there are people in the hills. Meanwhile, Brenda wakes up but is quickly silenced by Pluto. As Doug and Bobby head into the trailer, Pluto calls into a radio yelling, Now! Suddenly, a tree in the distance quickly bursts into flames. Bob is crucified to the tree, yelling in agonizing pain as the flames consume him. Doug, Bobby, Lynn, and Ethel watch on in terror, unable to help him. In the trailer, another mutant named Lizard joins Pluto, who is humping Brenda. Lizard bites off... (laughs) Bitch. (laughs) Lizard bites off their pet parakeet's head, drinking its blood. He then pulls Pluto off Brenda and proceeds to rape her. 
Lynn hears Brenda screaming and runs back to the trailer. She enters to find Lizard holding her baby. Lynn rushes after him, but he holds a gun to the baby's head. As she pleads with Lizard, he proceeds to grope and molest Lynn. Ethel enters the trailer ready to attack Lizard, but not before he shoots her clear across the room. Lynn then stabs Lizard in his leg with a screwdriver. He reacts by shooting Lynn in the head. The mutants run off with baby Catherine. Doug and Bobby return to discover the carnage while Lynn and Ethel take their final breaths. Goggle, who is watching the family from afar, is attacked by Beast. In the trailer, the family hears Goggle's name being called through a radio, which they find outside, still attached to Goggle's hand, his arm ripped off by Beast, who then reunites with the remaining family members, Doug, Brenda, and Bobby. Jesus. Yikes. A disaster. <laughs> um, I will say that I think that this is the most definitive part of this film. I mean, it's probably I the most recognizable part. Like, this is the part. N- yeah. Because bef- I'd never seen this movie fully before we before watching it for this. And this is the part that I knew about. I knew that mm-hmm. this was supposed to happen. So I was sort of anticipating and waiting for it. And um, yeah. yeah, it definitely uh, lives up to the hype. Yeah, it's super graphic. There's a lot of shit going on. I'm surprised they didn't make any edits, though. Like, I'm surprised that they kept in, like, a full-ass rape scene. Him yeah. S- sucking on the titties of Lynn. It's like, that is yeah. so... Ugh, it's so cringy, what they do to the women. Right, and it's sort of, like, for me, it, it stops becoming fun at that point. You know, like there's yeah. like there's like fun horror and, you know, but at that point it sort of just it almost becomes too realistic. And like that whole scene, even how yeah. it's shot just seems a little too real. And it's kind of turns from like horror to like sadism, like really just uncomfortable. I mean, you're like yeah. watching these people rape these girls like in this trailer. It's yeah. like but like graphically. And I'm like, I think wow. it's kind of of the times also though like that kind of, this is like the early 2000s kind of like when torture porn started to make successful yes. horror movies Absolutely. and so and because the hills have eyes already had that sort of like gritty raw type of energy they just fully went for it but the way this movie starts out is such like predictable cheap horror slasher movie build up and then you right. get this intense frightening realistic yeah, literally raw, it's like terrifying craziness but not terrifying and like wow i can't believe like that was such it was like terrifying and like this is so good <laughs> yeah no this is not like this was so good it was like that was so much you know every time i watch this movie this part gives me chills i'm like oh it's like so it's just so like it's it just shakes a, you especially yeah. like with the performances like I feel like they really sell this part with their performances like it's like yeah. how else would you react like they're so like the I mean that- the mother reacting to the father being burned and things like that I'm like oh my god like this is realistic yeah this yeah this movie goes from zero to 500 in a matter of seconds you know and it's kind of jarring but I mean it's jarring I mean, I guess it gets an intense reaction out of the viewer, and that's probably what they wanted. I could. It does its job, and I honestly think that this is, even though it's borderline, you know, just too much, I do yeah. think that this is the strongest part of this movie. 
Really? Uh, I mean, I think it's the strongest as far as getting like an actual reaction out of people because the rest yeah, of the movie feels exactly. a little bit more just sort of generic early 2000s slasher, you know? So I will mm. say that as far as like a, a scene that stands out as being yeah. kind of different from the rest of the film, I definitely say that this is the one. You know, yeah. where you're just like, holy fuck. Like, <laughs> I can't believe that they are yeah, actually this. doing this. Yeah. It almost doesn't match everything else. Like, it doesn't yeah. really match anything that comes after. It doesn't match anything that comes before. Yeah, even that, that part where Bob is burning, just how they filmed it, the cinematography in that scene, is so strange. Like, it's sort of like, like the, qual- like, I don't know how to explain it. You know, um, when they like zoom in on Bob, who's like burning in the fire, just like how the quality is, it like looks Uh like a video game. It looks very strange. It's very like um, cinematic. Like, I I don't know. I don't know if that's the right word for it, but I know what you mean. Yeah. It's very like. Yeah, it's very strange. I don't know. Yeah. It almost seems like it doesn't fit in the movie because of how intense it is and how like sort of cartoony the rest of it is. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, it happened. Uh, there's not much else to say about the rape moment. It is what it is. It's no, in the movie. It, it happened. It is what it is. If this ever got remade, it definitely wouldn't be about mutants. And this definitely wouldn't be a part of yeah. the story. No, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely not. Um, one thing I do find it funny about this movie, though, is that none of the characters ever seem to just die when you think they're dead. Like, there's like. Every character oh, has a moment where they're like, where you're like, wait, I thought they were dead. And then they're not <laughs> like Lynn, yeah, like, like she was shot <laughs> in the head. And then all of a sudden she has like this moment where she pops up. And then I thought for sure, since Ethel got blown across the room by that gun that she was dead, but then she has a whole <laughs> fucking monologue where she's like dying. Yeah, she's dying. Like, I'm like, yeah. my God, can these people just fucking die so we can get on with it? I but know. I mean, that, oh, that monologue God. is very sad. And um, I think it's very It's effective. really sad. And she's like in complete shock yeah and emotionally yeah. connects us to these characters after especially considering what just happened like it, it brings us back down to, to and honestly the, that's what their performances do for for me like the I that's why I say the actors are great in this because they really sold us on this could be anybody this could be us like this could be our family we have people like that you know in each family we have people that we can relate to here yeah of course. so it's and i think especially the standouts for me are dan bird and emily de robin i think that they shoot their performances out of the park or hit their performances yeah whatever <laughs> but the younger cast they're great for sure um honestly i think the stars the mo- of the movie are the dogs they fucking first of all they're Angels. they're cleaning they're cleaning house okay they are yeah. killing these motherfuckers left and right. They are fearless. I feel bad for Beauty. She doesn't yeah. make it very far. But um, for Beauty, no, but, she's like the Drew Barrymore. Of yeah, movie. and also, I mean, literally, and also, like, <laughs> how the several things about that scene when he finds Beauty, how in the time that he was able to chase her, was somebody able to kill the dog, slice the dog open? eat what was inside of the dog and run away by the time Bobby found them. I was like, wow. That, this is like, uh, the Roadrunner did this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, to me, it's kind of like, I just leave it be because it's like, uh, it's almost like Scream also. Like, uh, oh yeah. Like, Steven. I'm like, wow. Like, she just reached over to turn the 
the porch light on and all of a sudden he's fully got it. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, that, he dropped that bowl floor. of chili. <laughs> that bowl of chili <laughs> that he had on his lap spilled over. <laughs> and also, like, how did he, she get strung up to the tree so fast, you know? But, but also, oh, and that's what I think about the Bob situation, too. Like, how did they get him on that tree? Okay. How did they get him on that tree that fast? I mean, I guess we aren't told how much time has passed between, but. I don't know. It seems like Bob, ha- if Bob, if it was daylight when Bob left and it was nighttime by the time he got to the gas station, how long did it take for them to get Bob all the way back? I mean, I guess is maybe the mine shafts are. I guess they travel through the mine shafts and maybe it makes it a little bit faster. Maybe they ride those little roller coaster things. Oh, oh my God. So fun. Uh, yeah. Maybe they do that. But also, um, I don't know. I just feel like they would have been noticed. Yeah. It wasn't also, that far away. Also, how did Bobby survive falling that huge fall, fell on his back, <laughs> and had a woke up and had a fucking huge gash on his forehead? I was like, bitch. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> I know. Ow. <laughs> I, I know. There's some there's some problems with like the yeah, continuity. continuity. Of this, I was like, of the give story. me a break. Yeah. yeah. Give me a break. <laughs> Some of these characters are, like, inhuman. Like, Doug, I swear to God, is... He's a superhero with as much as he gets his ass handed to him this entire film and still manages to make it to the end. It's insane. I know. I feel like that's um, that's kind of realistic, though, because I think that sometimes in horror movies, people just die a little too easily. And I mean, I mean, maybe, but I mean, like, and I get adrenaline, but, like, Jesus. And your instincts, like, you yeah. kick in, you're trying to survive. I mean, um, maybe. I think this is an interesting moment, too, where, you know, the dog comes back and we're reunited Aww. with the family, but only what's left, and it's kind of like... Damn, did you, are these the characters we expected to be the last one standing? The dog, yeah. the Doug, and then the kids. It's like, wow, all the mature characters are gone. Gone. They're gone. It's uh, the new generation. They're there to continue the legacy. Yeah. Yeah, it's very telling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the next morning, Doug, along with Beast, set out to rescue Catherine. He enters an abandoned mine shaft where makeshift graves have been set up for miners who have passed on. He then stumbles across an abandoned nuclear testing village that has been fashioned after a 1950s suburban neighborhood. Back at the truck, Brenda lights a tire on fire, creating a smoke signal as Booby. <laughs> I knew I was going to fuck this up. I not thought it was going to be the tire on fire part. Not Booby. Bitch. <laughs> booby. <laughs> So wait, <laughs> let me start over. Start over. Okay. So back at the truck, Brenda lights a tire on fire, creating a smoke signal as Bobby booby traps the area. <laughs> Bobby booby. Bobby booby. Tire fire. Okay. They emotionally place Lynn and Ethel's dead bodies into the truck. Doug and Beast make their way into the suburban facade that is complete with retro smiling mannequins. They come across a running generator outside one of the houses. Doug peers through the house's window and sees his baby on a bed inside. A new mutant, Cyst, played by legendary special effects artist Greg Nicotero, passes by dragging along a dead body. Doug and Beast successfully hide. Doug, armed with a baseball bat, makes his way into the house leaving Beast outside. He comes across Bob's burnt body, an American flag stabbed into his head. He sneakily makes his way to the baby, passing by a ball-headed mutant named... 
named Big Mama <laughs> who watches Divorce Court on television <laughs> as she Same. brushes her wig. <laughs> <laughs> stop, stop laughing. <laughs> as D- no, I'm not laughing. You're laughing. You are. As Doug tries to sneak away with the baby, he is knocked unconscious by Big Mama. Doug awakens in an icebox. He escapes and encounters another mutant, Big Brain, who sings the national anthem, his enormous head hanging over the back of his wheelchair. Doug approaches him, asking where Catherine is. Big Brain repeats how they came to be, their genetic defects caused by nuclear tests for the 1,000th time. Pluto enters the scene, attacking Doug with an axe. He chases Doug through the house. Doug reunites with his baseball bat, which is then chopped in half by Pluto's axe. Doug takes the sharp end of the split bat and shoves it into Pluto's stomach. Pluto loses his shit and continues to attack, chopping off some of Doug's fingers. Doug finds a screwdriver and weakly holds it up to Pluto in defense. Pluto holds his axe to Doug's head as he pleads for his life. Doug quickly stabs Pluto through the foot with the screwdriver, then takes the flag out of Bob's head and plunges it through Pluto's neck. He finishes him off by taking the axe and driving it right into the top of his head. As Doug makes his way outside, he continues his axe attack on Cyst. Inside, Big Brain makes a call into the radio, ordering Lizard to kill the baby. Big Brain is swiftly attacked by Beast. I'm telling you, Beast is the, is the hero of this story. I love that little he's the, dog. He's an angel. He's a guardian angel. I'm like, would our little tiny dogs do that for us? I'm sure they I know. Never. Never. <laughs> Mine would try his best, my baby. <laughs> so this is where the movie gets a little sloppy. I feel like after that intense scene that we get with the attack, it's like this is just sloppy. They're yeah. introducing so many characters that quickly disappear or quickly killed off. And it's like, yeah, what is going on? It does like sort of move... I can't, I can't, it's like almost like it moves fast and slow. It's like we, yeah, we get like a lot of characters introduced quickly and, but also we're just following Doug for like the longest time while, I mean, while Brenda and Bobby are doing their little home alone setup by the trailer. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what the, what the full purpose, I mean, I guess it's in the original. That's what they did in the original, but to have them split up for so long and then for him to like, have this long sequence where again he goes to this mine and he sees more evidence just like pictures in the minds of people mm. and we're just getting more exposition solely from pictures and newspaper clippings like it's yeah, very exactly. strange yeah exactly i'm like the graves almost don't even make sense cuz i'm like what i okay so they were the parents of the deformed child i just don't yeah. get it i don't get it i don't get where big mama and see these these characters that make a return in this remake had more story in the original and they completely lost it. Like Big Mama in the original is a prostitute who birthed all of the mutants, Goggle, or not Goggle, but, you know, Pluto, Jupiter, and Mars, I think are their names or something. But it's like, there's no storyline. We don't know where she came from. She almost doesn't even look sick. She maybe looks like she just lost her hair because of the radiation, but... Yeah, I was like, I was like, who is this character? I was like, this is so weird. And then... And then never shows up again. How do they have a running TV? A working TV? How do they have electricity? How are they getting that? So strange. From the generator. How do they keep that shit running? 
I don't know. Does she have does she have like bunny ears, like the antenna? I didn't notice, but I'm it's assuming. a mess. This this, <laughs> this part is a mess because I'm like, how did they get? And also, this is what makes me think like, how did they get these tools to even pull this shit off? Like that chain that they cut the, that they burst the tires with, and like, where are they getting this? Yeah, I mean, maybe it's just all things they've collected over the years. Are they, yeah, are they innovators, inventors? They create these things. So the, that character of Cyst, he has that like halo neck brace on. I'm like, what doctor told him that that was what he needed to do in order to, to yeah. you know, help his neck problems or whatever? It's like, I don't know, kind of silly. Yeah, I think we do have some okay moments in here. Like, yeah, the juxtaposition of the smiling perfect mannequins with these like you know yeah it's very house of wax yeah (laughs) yeah these like smiling mannequins but they're all destroyed from the blast what do you think the american flag means in this i mean i don't know i think there's the mutants are obviously blaming america because he for what's happened to them you know Mm. and doug sort of represents to them what america is and because when Big Brain is giving that monologue about, you know, who j- he just happens to what, always be singing the national yeah. anthem. And so he's, you know, he's like, you did this to us. You made us. So maybe they blame, uh, they blame America. Right. Yeah. Government. Right. They blame the government. They blame America. And so (laughs) it's almost as if Doug, like using the American flag as like a weapon is, Mm. is sort of like a comment on you know don't i mean like don't fuck with america like like you'll never be able to achieve like revenge on america i don't know i'm sure there's probably a much more analytical um i'm sure i'm sure you're on the right track you know what i'm saying though yeah that's sort of like where my mind is going with it it's kind of but it's sort of not clear enough to really make a make a you know for me a conclusive argument on it. I don't know. It's weird. Like, yeah, like the American flag stuck in, in Bob's head. I'm like, what? You know, he lived by the flag. He dies by the flag. Like, that's sort of how I justify the Bob one. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and, and when then, did he get his body down and drag it? I don't even think I saw I that. I don't know. Part. And also, who was that? Who was that fresh body that they were dragging? That cyst was dragging through the thing. I'm like, who's she? I thought about that too, but I was like, maybe it was that biker and the girlfriend you know like that oh sure show in the picture in the beginning that's what it is but also who was the bloody man that jumped out at the scientist in the very beginning you know what i mean i'm like who are the there's not yeah where are these so much time explaining why these people are genetically deformed but they don't give us any information about what is actually happening like where are these i don't care that they're deformed i just want to know why they're here how they're related to each other, who these other extra bodies are, like what is going on? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's I, too yeah. chaotic, and that's why it I think is, it's sloppy. Right, totally. Um, again, so I, I like the little fight scenes, but uh, that fight scene between uh, Pluto and Doug, I think it's fun and exciting. Um, again, yeah. I don't understand how Doug can take such a beating. He even gets his fucking fingers chopped off. He would be bleeding so profusely. And yet still, 
manages to wield an axe and chop up some of these motherfuckers and take his revenge and also, you know, get a shotgun and, you know, kick ass. So, I don't know. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. I'd be like, kill me, please. I'm yeah, tired. seriously. At first, I, I honestly <laughs> thought, I was like, oh, it's like he's going to die and then the movie's going to conclude with brenda and bobby being our sole survivors like that moment where he was like mm. uh, like you know weak weak and, yeah yeah but then he comes back and he kicks some more ass and i was like whoa i was like that is not how i expected that to end at all because that's so unrealistic i don't know i Butch, know it really is i don't know so uh and i also don't like that ice chest moment where he gets knocked out and then wakes up in the ice chest because i'm like why wouldn't they just kill him? Maybe they were preserving his body so that when they kill him, he's a fresh meat to eat. Yeah, but uh, what's the, they seem to kill everybody else and eat them. What? Why would they need to keep him alive in there? I don't know. I don't know. That just seemed like an excuse to add some more gore. Part of this movie, to me, feels like when 2003 Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out, I feel like the things that they didn't use from the original, this one did. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like, they took some moments from the original Texas Chainsaw and, like, threw them in here. Yeah. I don't know. Just to make that kind of connection. Right. I don't know. And also, like, who's going to fix all that shit that Pluto was breaking in the house? Breaking through I know. walls? I was like, just one willy of the contractor. nilly. Yeah. Is somebody going <laughs> to find all the new things, fix the holes in the walls? Are they going to oh get a God. new table? I don't know. Yeah. I just think that this being their lair or, like, where they reside... I think it's just super weak because... I just don't think there are enough of them either. Why are there only like three people in this entire... Like, I don't know. It seems weird. I know. You think that they would... They were there would be more, especially with how animalistic they are. Like you feel like they would breed. Yeah, I know. I feel like there <laughs> should be more of them. Yeah. But it's it's like abandoned except for like the four of them. I don't know. And is there yeah. one one woman and she's is she the only one birthing all of them? I'm assuming that's the case. If that's the case in the she first one, she wasn't the but... original. Yeah, I don't know. They don't. Again, we don't. We don't know anything. We don't know anything about these people. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Elsewhere in the house, Ruby comes across the baby who was about to be killed by Lizard. Lizard shoes Ruby away. Doug, frantically searching for the baby, comes across two deformed children. A young girl asking him to play with them. As Lizard goes to kill baby Catherine, he realizes Ruby has swapped out the baby for a pig. Ruby is seen by Doug escaping into the hills with the baby. At the truck, Brenda and Bobby discover their mom's body has been taken. Bobby follows a trail of blood, which leads him to find Jupiter ripping Ethel apart, eating her insides. He notices Bobby and begins to chase him back to the trailer. In the trailer, Brenda turns on two propane tanks and Bobby attaches a row of matches to the trailer door. The siblings escape through a window, and as Jupiter goes to open the front door, he sets off the matches and the trailer explodes. Doug catches up with Ruby, but Lizard attacks him. He defeats Doug and pursues Ruby until Doug manages to defeat him with Sis's shotgun. Doug throws the shotgun to the ground. Ruby then gives Catherine back to Doug. Lizard, still alive, aims the shotgun at Doug, but Ruby tackles Lizard off a cliff, sending them both falling to their deaths. Bobby and Brenda find Jupiter wounded from their trap. Brenda finishes him off with a pickaxe. The siblings are then reunited with Doug, Catherine, and Beast. As the survivors of the Carter family embrace, an unknown mutant watches them through the binoculars from the hills. The end. Mm. All right, so we have our our stunning conclusion, our big finale, where um, that little girl snatches up that baby. 
Yeah. That, ba- <laughs> that very clean baby that, you know, everybody else looks like hell, then looks like dirty desert people. And that baby yeah. is fresh and clean. Yeah, of course. Even though she's yeah. been fucking mangled by all these yeah. fucking Oh my god, monsters. my fa- I like died laughing when Ruby was running up the hill and then she trips and falls on the baby. She full on oh, I know. belly flops on that baby. <laughs> and then that the baby's baby. fine. I was like, yeah, I know. She didn't fall on that baby doll. And um, so this is when we kind of notice that Jupiter is not really deformed kind of like big mama like they don't yeah they're not there's not very there's nothing very obvious about right them. and i think in the original they were the two characters that were sort of the parents of these deformed children right so i think that is probably what's going on in this one also but i'm like right. who is supposed to figure that out because honestly I, I, this is the first hills of eyes introduction i ever had right they said that apparently that he has a parasitic twin growing out of his chest but we never oh, see that. That's right. Yeah. We, ne- we never see that. So it's like, what a why? waste of prosthetics. I know. It's very strange that they would even, like, why not explain that? I don't know. Maybe they'd be like, this is, nobody cares, but I care. God damn it. I, I care. Know. They had more fun in the special effects department than they did writing the script. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, my. <sighs> My thing, my big like is like, what is happening? Is the scene where they blow up the trailer? I'm like, what is the plan here? So Bobby has a gun, and Jupiter chases him after after he horrifically finds his mother being, you know, just eaten up by this thing, by this man. Literally, the, being the man devoured. starts cha- the man unarmed. Really, I mean, he has that axe. Comes running after and a him. Twin. Yeah, and a twin. Yeah. And um, he's like, starts just shooting willy nilly into the air. I'm like, why don't you shoot him? And instead, he just chooses to keep running. So then, okay, so so he has that axe. So he throws the axe and he misses Bobby. And then he goes to the trailer and they end up being able to tie him up. They tie him up to the window or whatever. Why don't they just shoot him there instead of blowing him up and getting rid of their only sense of shelter in this desert. I'm like, this plan is stupid. Yeah. Because just because you killed, even if you kill the mutants, you're still stuck. Yeah, exactly. You still need a place to shelter. So when you tied them up, you should just like boom, boom, boom right in the head and have it be (laughs) over with. But no, he wasted his bullets shooting into the air and they blew up their trailer next to the car that probably blew up too with their sister in it just poor decisions yeah their sister's body is gone yeah like oh my god like this is just a disaster what a disaster who let these two children make these decisions i think the strongest moment of this finale is that final confrontation with doug and lizard and ruby um, yeah. I think when he's laying there on the ground, you kind of get a sense of why and how he keeps going when he just looks over at his chopped off ass fingers and he has his wedding ring and he's just looking at it and he's like, oh, I have to do it. Like, I, I need to do it baby. for my baby. Also, how did Ruby get so sweet? Like, who were her influences to not be an asshole like the rest of these mutants? Maybe she... Big Mama. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. It's like, you're going to be the nice one. I know. Like, she's also she's... the one that looks different. Yeah, she looks like a like, little less, uh, less affected. D- well, she looks less white. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah, who's 
She's like she's like Hispanic. Yeah, she's like Latina. <laughs> yeah, she's like a strong Latina who's just yeah, super she's sweet. Strong. Maybe she's a part of a different family unit. But no, that's not true because they say in the script that Goggle is her brother. Oh, so, so, who's also like an know. old man. I don't know. It... <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh well. Um, so then we have the you know, so that stunning conclusion where Ruby sacrifices herself. And, you know, kills Lizard, who picked up the gun that Doug dropped. Uh, did they not learn anything? Like I said, these characters don't seem to die when you think that they're dead. So Lizard is no. now our next one, who gets shot several times with a shotgun and still manages to stand up and grab the gun that Doug left on the ground. It's so weird because, like, people with deformities in movies, like Jason Voorhees, seem to have also these superhuman powers, and it's like, this is not realistic. They have compromised immune systems, if anything. <laughs> like, if you <laughs> kill them once, they should die. Or, like, you know. Yeah, just fucking kill them. And then, and then, in the trailer, you know, Jupiter blows up. And is still not dead. He still has to be pickaxed in the face in order to die. <sighs> it's like, okay, we get it. These characters, I don't know. I feel like that thing just They're happens too to often in this. <laughs> Where they just don't die and they just come back. I'm like, okay, we get it. You did that three times now. Just let these characters yeah. die. And also, I honestly wish that Brenda had a little more um, justice with one of the characters that actually fucked around with her. I wish she would have killed Lizard. Yeah, she should have been the one to kill Lizard. Not fucking Doug. I know. I she don't gets know. no she I gets think, no justice. I almost thought Ruby should have killed uh Jupiter because honestly, how many people could that dog have possibly killed? You know what I mean? That, Without again, being killed. I know. Uh, yeah, that dog is um the star. An angel. Like, yeah. He's the star. Yeah. They don't deserve it. They don't deserve him. I do kind of like that thought of the the dogs being so, you know, protective and things like that. I'm like, damn. Of course. This movie makes me want to get a German Shepherd. I'm like, <laughs> wow, these are rat or dies. <laughs> yes, I love them. All right. And I mean, and then we conclude with Doug somehow in the, in the desert, bleeding profusely, probably from his hand, making it all the, no water. And making it all the way back to Bobby and Brenda, where they all embrace while somebody looks at them like a, presumably another mutant. Yeah, it could be a rescue squad. Oh, okay, that's fair. No, you're right. Absolutely, I just assumed. But, no, it's um, not. And uh, yeah, because it sort of feels like it's like, oh, it's ending. They still aren't out of the woods. They still are stranded in the middle of the desert. The woods. With the woods. <laughs> They're out of no. Yeah. You know what I mean though? It's like Yeah, yeah. I mean uh, we don't know what happens. And even in the Hills of Eyes 2, uh, the sequel to this one, we don't get any continuation of the storyline. What happened? Did they get out? I don't know. Who knows? I guess, I guess it doesn't I, matter. I'm going to assume they all died. They have to. I, they have a baby you know now. What? I think they it. may have survived. And the only reason I say this is because uh, in an early draft of The Hills of Eyes 2, Brenda was going to be the main character in the army squad that's there. Oh my gosh. She's like, she's like, I'm screw my tanning days. I'm joining the army and I'm going to go fuck up some mutants in the New Mexico desert. Yeah. Like they get something. Ha- I forget what The Hills of Eyes 2, but the, actually the sequel to this is I remember it being better than this one 
Oh wow! I mean, I, the story IMDb wise, ra- the IMDb rating is lower, and who knows? I'm sure the Rotten Tomatoes one is lower. But I mean, you're not the first person I heard that from, so I don't know. Maybe it is. Yeah. I have not watched it, and I probably won't. Never will. <laughs> so, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so overall, what are your thoughts of this film? Um, I think that even though it has a pretty gritty centerpiece that is appealing to horror audiences, I think the it's sloppily put together. I think that they stressed too much in areas that didn't need to be really explained or discussed a million times. I would rather have known how these people ended up here. I would rather have known how they survived, how they keep surviving, than... You would think that being exposed to that much radiation, you would be dead. But I don't know. What do I know? Guess not. <laughs> <laughs> the script says that they are alive. So um, of like the early 2000s slashers, I would say it's like decent. You know, I think it's mm-hmm. I think it's biggest fault is that it's a lot. You know, like what happens in the middle of it is a lot. Um, but I wouldn't yeah. say it's like the worst of those early 2000s slashers. Um, but it's also like no. not, it's not, it's not groundbreaking to me. I don't think it, it doesn't really challenge you too much intellectually. It's sort of just a movie you put on if you're into yeah. just wanting to watch something really gory and horrific. And um, I don't know. I don't think it comments yeah. on I, enough to be like stimulating to me. It's effective. It's effective. It's, it is scary. It is scary at some parts. Um, I think it's I think it's a decent movie, but again, like how much credit can you give it when it's literally just a straight up remake? Yeah, totally. And like, and I will applaud it. I mean, it definitely has fucking guts. Like, it's it's not afraid to take it to the darkest of places. And I mean, like rape. I mean, come on, like bold move. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's any more anything more than just decent to me. So I would probably rate it like a two point five out of five. Yeah, I would give it like a three. I would say three. I'll be generous. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So it's like it's I good for what it, it is. I can but watch I, it. So that's... I probably won't ever. Well, unfortunately, due to um, some technical difficulties, this it you know we Frankie and I do record these things over FaceTime, and sometimes shit happens with service and stuff like that. So I'm just gonna close out today. Um, so please follow us on all social media platforms. You can find us on Instagram at Fear the Talking Queers. You can email us, fearthetalkingqueers at gmail.com. If you want to send us an email or message us about being on our email list, you'll get uh, a tarot reading every week, including an announcement of our next episode. Oh, if you could please, 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 please review us on Apple Podcasts. That would be great. That would help us out so much. We love you guys and all your support. It means so much to us. And I just want to say thank you for participating in all of our Instagram shenanigans. We had the most fun there, and it was so fun. Uh, Honestly, just Googling pictures of the Lost Boys and posting them all week. So that was a lot of fun for us. Um, Thank you for all the support. We love you lots, and sweet screams, bitch. Bye. Bye.